This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hey up, it's the No Near Never podcast with your host, Jamie Smith. Hello and welcome to this week's No Near Never podcast. And finally, finally, we've got a win to talk about. It's taken about three months, but we've finally got there. So it should be an upbeat podcast tonight. James, Nathan and Kevin with me on the show tonight we've also got a guest from match of the day who i'm gonna keep the identity of secret until a little bit later in the show just to build a little bit of tension we'll start with you then james burnley have won a game we've won a game yeah we have (laughs) 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 what did you think i think we deserve to win um maybe maybe it should have been more than than just the one but um I guess when you're talking about getting your first three points of the season, you don't really want to be um, too greedy. Well, the, the points are what counts, isn't it, really? But I think we we certainly edged the game, and I think you're right, we could have probably had more than one, especially when you consider Hull were down to ten men at the end. But the points are what counts, and this this is surely going to have a big impact on the rest of the season, being able to get that monkey off our back. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we talked about it last week, that if you didn't get the win now... Um, sort of every game you're looking at like we need one now because you can't keep going on and uh, you know without a win because uh, it becomes mentally harder I think for everyone to to see that it could happen um, and I'd say Hull were probably one of the sides that you looked at on the fixture list and it looked like a winnable game uh, so it's, it's good to get you know that out of the way Nathan we'll come to you next what was your assessment of Saturday's game? Uh, I thought it was a good game it was entertaining uh, a lot of cards, a lot of action I um, thought we played reasonably well I thought we were a bit bit scrappy at times um, but at the end of the day I wasn't really too fussed about that I was just so relieved to get them three points on the board because it's been a, been a long time coming Certainly a lot of cards, more cards than Clinton we can talk a little bit more about the referee later we don't normally bothered talking about referees but I think it's worth doing a little bit on Clatton Bow this week Kevin we'll come to you then 1-0 probably fair overall Hull weren't really up to much worthy but we can only beat what's in front of us uh, definitely yeah I think uh, everyone so far has mentioned uh, the word relief um, and I think that, that is pretty much it um, we, we definitely 
deserve a win. We were on top pretty much from start to finish. I think we had a, a five-minute spell in the second half after Curtis Davis went off when bizarrely, since we went down to 10 men, they got a bit of momentum behind them. Um, but other than that, we were we were on top completely. But one does probably a fair result. I think um, despite our dominance and how well we were playing, um, we, we probably didn't create as many clear-cut chances as we'd have liked. Certainly in the first half, I think our only third, clear, the only clear-cut chance we made uh, from open play in the first half was about 45 seconds in. Uh, and after that, the only real good chance we had was um, from a corner, which Ings um, had that superb shot, which was saved really well. And then it was um, cleared off the line, yeah. With the yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, like I say, I, we, you, you can't complain. We've got we've got our first win, and hopefully now we can, we can build from that and take that. I think Sean Dyke mentioned the word belief, and that was a big thing from last season. Hopefully, we can now we have got that that monkey off our back. Hope we can start to believe in ourselves a little bit more. And I think, like Nathan said, if we didn't win this match, then it, not only would it have been would it have been stretching that um, that that kind of time without wins, it would have been a big kind of blow just for our, our just that belief to say, okay, we can't even beat Hull. Um, so I think. It, Every, every aspect you're looking at is, is really good. And if we can continue to play well, have that belief and create a few more chances, because uh, if we're going to win games consistently, we are going to need to create more chances than we did in, in the match. Um, but thoroughly enjoyable win um, and delighted to to be talking about a win. I agree that relief was certainly the main emotion and I think you could see it in the players at the end as well. They're all just so happy to have finally got that win. And I think you're absolutely spot on about the belief as well. I think Ashley Barnes' quotes on the official website, someone put a, a little screenshot of some of them on Twitter and they mentioned the word belief or believe about six times in three paragraphs. So it's it's clearly a theme that Sean Dyche is running with quite a lot at the moment. The, the only slight disappointment for me was that we didn't kill the game off, but we won one nil, so I suppose that's that's a very minor thing. And I've <laughs> seemed to say this every week, but I wasn't sure why we didn't bring Shalbar on to try and shore it up a little bit when we were under pressure. But again, we won, so it doesn't really matter overall. Uh, James, the goal we scored—it was very well made, really. Some very tidy link-up play and a really superb cross from Kieran Trippier, and Barnes finished it well. Yeah, it was an absolutely top-notch cross, and I think that's um, you know what we've come to expect from uh, from Kieran Trippier. And, uh, you know, Barnes, I think he might have caught it with his shoulder over his head, but, you know, they all count and it's a, it's a fine team goal, I think. And there was uh, the thing that I wanted to pick up on the goal as well was the little link-up between Barnes and Ings, which is something we've not really seen from any of the partnerships we've played this season, I don't think. I think they've at times played well individually without really linking up, but I think Barnes and Ings did pretty well there and... We got a little bit of luck in the goal when uh, I think it was Ings shot when it bounced back out to Trippier, but from there I think it was very clinically done, so extremely pleasing to get that goal. Um, Nathan, just to come back to, to Hull's performance, Steve Bruce was very damning of his team, and I think it, it said a lot that he made all three changes in the first 15 minutes, which of course cost them late when Davis had to go off, but how much of Hull being quite poor was down to them, and how much of it was the way we played stifling them? I think um, I think it was a, a big, big mixture of both. I think we just had one of them games where we just pressed the ball really well. Instead of us kind of going forward in a few numbers, we actually went forward in quite a lot of numbers 
uh, and that was beneficial. You know, we had Marnie and um, Jones were actually venturing forward a lot more than they uh, have done this season. And you know, they, used, they did that a lot last season. It was refreshing to see. But uh, Hull were really poor. I felt they didn't. I, I kind of praised them before the game and said they're a tough team to break down. And um, you know, Steve Bruce's teams usually are, but today, uh, Sunday, the Saturday, sorry, they just weren't. Um, and it were you know quite a disappointing showing from them. But you know, we took advantage of it as we should have done. What surprised me about Hull was how little they showed going forward. I know they'd, um, they'd had two games without scoring before coming to Burnley, but before that they'd been one of the top scorers in the league, so they clearly have talent going forward, and Hernandez is a handy striker. They've got players like Diarme who can hurt teams coming from deep, and they just didn't really seem to create anything, even after they put Ramirez and Ben Arthur on, and they're supposed to be two very creative players, and they didn't really create an awful lot. Kevin, defensively, we were so much better than we have been in recent weeks. 15 goals conceded in five games before Saturday. So, again, relief to get that clean sheet. Um, it was, yeah. Although, like you say, Hull's um, attacking play was um, shambolic at, at best, to be honest. Um, I think whenever they have a ball in our third, in their final third, they look just like headless chickens pretty much. And there were a couple of occasions where we were quite sloppy at the back. I mean, there's, there's one instance that sticks out was when Michael Duff um, played an incredible through ball to their striker um, under no pressure whatsoever. Um, and against the majority of teams in this league, that that's going to get punished. Um, so we, we it, it, it was nice to give a clean sheet and we, we had some good defensive performance Jason Shackle played well um, but there's still some sloppiness there well, we do need to cut out if we're, if we're going to have a chance of staying up Yeah I agree I think the Duff mistake was one that would have got punished by a lot of other teams but I think you've got to mention how well Shackle did in that situation as well he seemed to almost predict the error which is maybe concerning in its own right but he seemed to be alert to it and he managed to charge down Hernandez and make it very difficult so credit to him for that I thought Shackle was absolutely outstanding old game as well um, James the team sheet when Barnes was on it I was a little bit surprised to see him there but even though he had quite a quiet first half I suppose his goal justifies his selection over Sodo and Jukovic Yeah I think he's you know you can't argue with him getting the, the winning goal um, so I think it, you know, it's just bad um, I was maybe more surprised actually at an omission of uh, Michael Keane rather than um, uh, Barnes being in there. And I think that that was sort of shown again when Duff had that awful pass um, sort of quite early in the game. Um, though in his defence, he didn't do a lot long after that. But early on, there was a little bit of a scare when he came with that square ball and uh, nearly let Hull in for an early goal. Yeah, I think, I think um, like, like, like you said, Jamie, that... that... Ashley Barnes has, has definitely justified his selection. There was a few people on Twitter beforehand um, quite critical of the, of the team selection. I think Natalie Yeah, Barnes... I, I tried to send a tweet that was just Barnes, exclamation mark, question mark, exclamation mark, question mark, but <laughs> I had no signal, so it didn't go through. So Yeah, that was, that that was, was good. That's into a general consensus. <laughs> and um, and I, I, I was pretty much the same because, do you know, I... I've never been a huge fan of Barnes. He's never hugely impressed me. I think he's 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 scored some some big goals, but other than that, he's never been one of those players I thought I've had much huge confidence in. Um, and I did. I thought 
I thought Marvin Sodell did a decent enough job at Arsenal. Um, certainly not no world beating, but considering what he, what he was up against and the support he had, I thought he played quite well, and I thought he probably deserved to keep his his place in the team. Um, but Barnes thought I thought Barnes was excellent. He he. He's not the top player. You said he was quiet, but I don't think he's the top type of player who's going to dominate the game and have lots of touches. He's not the sort of Danning's type of player. I don't think he was even the type of kind of um, Duke player who's going to hold it up and bring players into game as much. He's a bit more of a. I think he's more of a player who's who's just going to have that impact when he does have when he does get the ball. Um, and the, his goal was a good example of that. I think he's he he had probably had that one chance all game and took it, which is what we've been lacking all season. I think we've. We've created, been created chances for the likes of Duke and Ings, um, but very, most of the time we've, we've not been able to execute it. Whereas Barnes got that one chance and made absolutely no mistake whatsoever. It was, it was, it was going straight in, in, in the top corner. Um, he had some really good touches. Well, you touched it earlier about his his link up play with Danny Ings um, before the goal, but also there was two or three occasions um, when he did the same. Um, just forty-five minutes, like I said, early forty-five seconds into the game, where you know when Ings had that great chance at the start, that was uh, was also some great build-up play with with Barnes as well. Um, and if you look at if you look at the the goals he has scored for us, every single goal he scored has been a really important one. I think the last one he scored for this weekend was the one with secure promotion. So, um, yeah, he, he might not score every match, but if he can, if he can score important goals at important times, then that's probably the best you can ask from him. I'm not really sure what to make of him, even even now. He's been a Burnley player for almost a year now, and he does seem to have this knack of scoring important goals, but contributions from open play, I'm not sure there's that much there, but if he's going to keep scoring, I suppose that will that will render all arguments moot as long as he keeps finding the back of the net. And I did, I did think he took the chance well, but I'd also say I think the cross was so good, I think, even Sordell, if he'd been on at the time and been in that position, I think he'd have put it away. So I think it was an excellent chance, but all credit to Barnes for putting it away. Um, Nathan, I suppose the thing about Barnes suddenly being the second-choice striker, it, it raises questions about the transfers in the summer again, doesn't it? Jukovic and Sordell now out of favour, and we're back to the, the strikes we had last season. Yeah, it's a bit, uh, a little bit worrying. Uh, I, had, I commented on the game on Saturday actually when I was uh, sat next to my friend. I looked at the squad and I said the only difference between um, to, uh, Saturday and the Wigan game at home was um, was Boyd and Ward, um, and, it, and it, would, it just kind of hit me as like a bit of an eye opener actually that we haven't, when it comes to like a starting eleven that you know we're trying to compete with, we haven't actually improved that much really. Um, so. Yeah, I think as far as striking options, I think we need to uh, look in into that a bit more. I think and get some faces in. Well, we've talked a lot about about Jukovic in particular on the podcast before, but I, I don't know if it's a case of Dash taking him out the firing line or just wanting to have a look at his other options. Like Kevin said, Sodell did okay at Arsenal, but not really any better. And maybe it was just Barnes's turn to get a game. I, I don't know how much credit to give Dash for picking Barnes when it, it seemed like it was his turn to have a go and I, I don't know if he was just trying all his options that he had available. Uh, James, Nathan mentioned Ward and Boyd there, the two new signings really that have got into the side. Ward probably had his best game for us so far but has he really done enough to justify being in the team instead of Ben Mee? Um, I'd say the fact he's not done anything wrong is more maybe 
justification. I just don't think you can drop people without um, without a mistake. So, yeah, I think he's probably deserving to stay in the side. The argument on the flip side has been, though, that, that Ben Mee was playing quite well when he got dropped, though. Um, yeah, but, I mean, there, there were a few goals that you could maybe look at and say um, Mee could have done slightly better for. Uh, and I know you're one of the people who sort of did make that case. Um I think particularly that maybe the first one at Leicester, you maybe look at that one and think me could have maybe, maybe prevented it. Um, but you know now uh, Ward's in the side, so it's his shirt to lose, and I don't think he's done anything to lose it yet. I think that's fair. I, you're absolutely right to say I, I was one of the people who wanted Ward in for me. I just wonder if we were expecting a little bit more impact from Mike in that change because it doesn't seem to have made that much difference. I mean, still only early days, and you're right that we were conceding a lot of goals from Ben Mee's side, but I just want to see more from Steam Ward going forward as well, I think. I think there's more to come from Ward. And after seeing him at Leicester, I think there, there is that quality in him, and I want to see a bit more from him. Someone else I want to see more from is George Boyd, who I want to talk about tonight, because he wasn't against his old club, and I thought that was a perfect opportunity to have a really big performance but I still didn't see it and a lot of people have been quite positive about Boyd and he certainly tries and he's got great work rate but he's a three million pound player and I keep thinking that he's got to start justifying that fee. Kevin what's your thoughts on Boyd so far? Um, It's quite funny but when he he signed um, people immediately jumped on on his hair to compare him to Chris Eagles Yeah, and um, no, that's ludicrous. Um, it's actually turned out to be quite true in that um, he, he's quite inconsistent in that he's, he's, he's had some excellent performances, um, but then he's always been quite anonymous in a few. Um, and, and, and yeah, I think Saturday was probably an ideal opportunity for him to to, to really make a big, uh, big impact and it, it, it didn't really happen. Um, and again, it was it was just it's, it's similar to it's, it didn't actually do anything wrong, uh, but I just I I can't I can't remember anything he did do. I'm trying I'm thinking back now. I'm trying to think of an impact, and I I, I generally cannot remember even seeing him at, at all from from memory. <laughs> he was de- he was definitely playing, <laughs> <laughs> but but you know he he didn't have that big contribution. There's nothing that sticks out in my mind saying that was that was a good move which he was involved in. No, exactly. He had one run when we were on the break and he took the ball about 50 yards under very little pressure and then hit the defender with a cross. And I think it was Chester got booked for bringing him down early on as well. But I'm not seeing enough positive contributions for someone that we spent a fair chunk of money on in the summer. I think we need to see more from him in a creative sense. And I think defensively, he does his fair share of work, but he seems to get back, but then not really track the the run do you, do you know what I mean he gets in the position yeah. but then people run off him so he, yeah. he does it right but then stops doing it right I just get a bit frustrated because I think he's really close but he's not quite doing enough for and me it, yet and it's certainly there because I think was it was it the West Ham game in which he scored from the, the game which he, I think it was West Ham yeah. the game he scored in it was that was probably I think that was probably one of the best individual performances of anyone's putting um from out from for Burnley this season I thought it was it was fantastic in that game. I think he had really good 
good skill, good control. He 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 was, he was involved in pretty much everything we did going forward. Um, if we can see that more consistently, he'll be a huge player for us this season. But um, yeah, it does need to be shown more consistently. I think you're right. I think consistency is the key. And if if we see that sort of level of performance from him regularly, then we'll be saying three million pounds is an absolute bargain. Nathan, what are your thoughts on Boyd? Uh, he's been a bit hit and miss for me at the moment. Um, you know, he had, he had his moments against West Ham where he looked like he was the only player in the side that were, you know, busting his guts, you know, to, for the team. And and then there were Saturday where, he, like Kevin said, he just looked non-existent. I, I mean, there were times when I, you know, he, did, he didn't touch the ball for, I think, a good 20 minutes of the game. He just wasn't involved. It, you know, unlike you said, Jamie, we were running back, but he wasn't trekking the runs and you know he's kind of done 90% of the hard work and then just that last last 10% he's just kind of forgot what he's got gone all that way back for to do so he's he's been a bit to miss him on but I'd like to think that it could come good and I did expect it to be against Halsey and it was his old club and I thought he'd have had a bit of a bit of more more, more drive than normal to um, to do something against his old club well, this is why I brought it up because, like you, I was expecting a big performance from George Boyd, and I don't think we've really got that from him. Uh, James, we'll come to you next. Then Boyd, I keep coming back to the fee. That I think that's why I want to see more from him. I think if we'd paid a million quid for him or the same sort of money we paid for Kitely, I'd be quite satisfied. But for a three million pound player, have we seen enough of him yet? I think uh, I'd. I'd, I'd don't really understand people saying that he's been anonymous at all, to be honest. I haven't thought that about any of his performances. Um, maybe Arsenal was a game where I didn't notice him, but then again, we didn't leave our own half particularly, so it's hard to, to notice anyone attacking. Um, but I think that's what you get for £3 million these days, and uh, that's possibly why we made less signings than a lot of people wanted, because you know the prices are... Um, you know, a lot higher than what we're used to, um, and I think we're putting expectations on it cost three million that you you don't you get elsewhere. I think that's a good point. But looking back to the last time we were in the Premier League, we paid about three million for Fletcher, didn't we? And I think he had more of a positive impact at the start of the season. Yeah, but it's, I think on that occasion, Fletcher was only our, our only real striker, so it was hard for him not to have a. Um, Hard not to have an impact, really, since if we hadn't had him, we would have had no one. He started the season playing on the wing, though, didn't he, Fletcher? It was a bit odd how we treated uh, Fletcher at the start. I think that was a classic uh, coil formation thing, strikers on the on the wing. There's, there's a lot of managers that seem to. I get very frustrated when I see strikers playing on the wing because but then it, yeah, but then that's what wingers are for. Strikers were best at that. Like Martin Patterson was never really that good back in the middle, was he? After that's that, that's true. And Jay Rodriguez as well. He started out playing on the left, and that's proven to be his best position. Even though people still say he's a striker, he should be playing up front. He's always been much better off the left. Anyway, yeah, like up front on the left is. We're not talking like uh, yeah, we're not talking about on the wing really. Sort of. Like, Left of a three, isn't it, really? Yeah. Anyway, talking about Boyd, after we've just spent five good minutes saying how he's not been very good, George Boyd actually won the Known and Ever Burnley Express October Player of the Month award. So um, <laughs> I'm not sure what to make of this because I've not thought it was particularly good, but the people have spoken and Boyd got 36% of the vote 
to win his first award since joining in the summer. Second place went to Scott Arfield, who took 24% of the vote, and Kieran Trippi was third with 21%. So fairly split, though. Um, it's a little while ago now, Kevin, but do you think Boyd was, was a fair shout for October? There weren't really any outstanding candidates, I suppose, with us not being able to win a game. Um, yeah, I, I voted for Boyd um, pretty much purely for that West Ham performance. Um, it wasn't a great month at all. And that's that. That that's pretty much what did it for us. I think we we got the we got the one point again at Leicester, um, and then there was it was just defeats of that. And I think the only real good individual performance we had in the month was um, well, the only standout individual performance was Boyd's. Um, so that's why I, I went for Boyd. Well, hopefully, winning this award will help him kick on and. Have better performances in the weeks to come. Uh, just something else I want to talk about on the, the subject of player of the month, player of the season type things. Um, I got asked for somebody else to do a, a player of the season so far one, and I went for for Scott Arfield, even though I think his form has dipped a little bit in recent weeks. So it'd be interesting to get your thoughts, James. We'll start with you. Who do you think's been our our best player so far this year? Um, oof, tough question. Um, that's what I'm here for asking the tough questions you, you could make a case for, for Scott Arfield um, I think you could probably also make a case for Tom Heaton because we have kept quite a few clean sheets obviously he was fantastic at Arsenal and I can't really think of any goals that he could have done a, a lot more for um, so yeah probably, probably Tom Heaton I think it's an interesting show, and he was certainly outstanding at Arsenal. And Kevin was talking about individual performances. That he and Arsenal was probably the best individual performance we've seen so far this season. He's doing so a fantastic won. job for my fantasy football. So. <laughs> he, he was the top scoring goalkeeper in the league for a time, he's, wasn't he? He's still up there. I think he's like considering off. how many goals we've conceded. That's that's some achievement. Nathan, we'll come to you next. Then we've said Arfield and Heaton so far. Is there anyone else to throw in there? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say uh, Trippier, um, not particularly for his defensive qualities. I think he, um, you know, I mean, he's not really made any mistakes in defence, but I think his consistency in going forward and delivering the balls that he has been doing. I think he got praised this week in the Guardian for um, the quality of his delivery. Um, I can't remember who wrote the piece on him or, or mentioned it, but I think his delivery and uh, contribution attacking wise has been. Um, just been up there and one of the best in the team really and it's just a shame that we've not really latched on the end of most of these good deliveries from him Yeah and I think the thing about Trippier so far is that he seems to be getting better by every week as well, he seems to be really adapting to the Premier League and I'd say Shackle's been the same for that Kevin, what about you then, who's been your player of the season so far? They are only 11 games in after all but since somebody yeah. else asked me to, to do this I thought it'd be interesting to do it on the podcast as well yeah, I, I, I'm going to go for, for Trippier as well. I think he had quite a slow start. Uh, first few games, um, he didn't look like the, the Kieran Trippier we used to, but since um, kind of the first month and a half so, had gone, he's, he's really come into his own. He's probably, if, if we had um, strikers and four players who were a bit more um, prolific in the Premier League, he'd, he'd probably had a, have a few assists to his name by now because... Some of his his balls into the box have been have been excellent, and his his supporting play going forward generally has been been really strong. I think there's a um, 
uh, a word to be said for Jason Shackle as well, because if, even though we did have that spell where we conceded quite a few goals in a few games, generally we've been quite defensively sound. Certainly um, before the West Brom game, we were we had about loads and a, hand, a handful of clean sheets in a row um, against some good opposition as well. Um, and he was he was very strong again again uh, against Hull. So a, a, a good word for, for Jason Shackle as well. I think one of the positives for me from from Saturday was that the players that we expected to be big players this season are starting to look really good. Trippy was excellent, Shackle was excellent, and Danny Ings was excellent as well. And we've talked a lot about Danny Ings on the podcast, understandably, because he's probably our highest profile player, and he has taken some stick for his his mixed form earlier in the season, shall we say. And then he obviously had the injury that kept him out. But I've been really impressed with him since he came back into the side. I think he's been bright. I think he's been breezy. And I think he's, he's shown the quality that we know he's got. We just need the more goals from him now. And I felt probably should have had a goal on Saturday. The early chance is a good one. I think he said as much in his quotes on the official site that he was a little bit disappointed not to get a goal. But I think the performance levels are really there now with Danny Ings. And once... Once he gets that regularly, I think the goals will start to come. James, Danny Ings, much better the last couple of weeks than at the start of the season. Is that fair to say? I don't think he's been awful at any point, to be honest. Um, you know, but he was certainly maybe getting a bit frustrated. And and you can tell getting that goal has, has taken a bit of a, a weight off him. And he got an early chance as well on Saturday. And in the past, maybe when he's he's just not quite had the rub of the green, he's come away from it looking like he's he's quite frustrated. But on that occasion, he came away looking like you know he's quite uh, buoyed by the the fact he'd come close early on. Um, you know, the, I think his play in the build up to the goal uh, the goal was great. You know, the way he chested it down to Barnes, um, you know, was fantastic control. And then obviously yeah, he had a shot; it didn't come off, but. The rebound uh, went to trip you and obviously set us up for a good opportunity. I think the, the thing about the goal as well was that he took the shot early and that's one little niggle I've had about Ings uh, all season really is that when the opportunity's been there he seems to hesitate just a tiny little bit when the chance looks to be there and then the gap seems to close. I think in the Championship you maybe get more chances to to take those opportunities when they come. I think you have a little bit more time on the Premier League it seems to be a tiny little window, and once you've missed it, that's gone. And yeah. I think snatching at your chances is not something you want to do, but I think you have to pick your moment really precisely. I, I think maybe that's been a thing with the whole team. Um, yeah, I think that's I think true. Scott Arfield's maybe the only guy who's who's been shooting quite early, um, whereas other people seem to have you know taken an extra touch, and and that window opportunity has gone away from them. Um, so yeah, it's good to see people you know taking taking opportunities. Early. I mean, if it doesn't come to anything, at least you you got a shot off, and uh, you know you don't score if you don't shoot. Exactly. There was one um, little passage of play about halfway through the first half, I think, where we got right to the edge of the box, and we kept trying to work it further. And it's like we're on the edge of the box. Hull have got a solid line now. We're not going to get any closer. Just get it to somebody and get a shot away. But we kept trying to work the space, and you just have to stop doing that at some point. And it was—it was like watching Arsenal trying to walk the ball in. It was like just have a shot. I got so frustrated right at the other end of the pitch. I was at the back of the Jimmy McElroy stand, screaming for someone to have a goal. But yeah, so I was glad that Ings had the shot early. 
and then it directly led to the goal because hopefully we'll learn from that. Nathan, we'll come to you on Danny Ings. I've been really impressed with him recently. What have you made of him since he came back from injury? Uh, yeah, he's, he's done all right. He's done a lot better than what he has been doing. I mean, I've given him a bit of stick um, over the early early weeks of the uh, of the season, but I think the last two or three games, his uh, his workload and his effort has gone up. Um, he looks a bit more interested in the game, whereas felt at times earlier on he didn't look as interested, and he just kind of expected the ball to just fall at his feet, and um, just it, it just it looked like he just expected it to happen, just automatically. You know that step up would just come to him naturally, and he'd flourish. But I think he had a bit of a reality check, and I think now he's actually um, he's actually performing really well. He's putting a, a good shift in, and like his contribution to the goal was just like what we saw last season so many times between him and Vox and it was just nice to see again I guess it were like it were seeing a long lost friend I guess yeah I, I that's that's a perfect way of putting it I think Nathan in that it, 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 it like Danny Ings again and I, I've said a few times I've been quite critical, critical of him um, before but I've, I think I've always I've, I've never actually criticised him as a player I've, I've always thought that it, it's been coming it's just it's been taking up it's taken a while to come out and the first few months of the season, I, 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 it didn't look like Danny Ings at all to me. Um, and on on Saturday, it did. It looked like the Danny Ings. And I think what James said about um, his reaction to that that that, first, that early shot, what didn't um, what, what what didn't come off? I think earlier in the season, he, he was getting really frustrated. And towards the end of last season as well, his frustration at not scoring, I think, was really causing him not to score again. It was affecting his. his his performances every time you, you saw he missed a chance he looked to be really beating himself up um, whereas on Saturday he he played with a smile throughout the whole match which was brilliant to see and he really really should have had two goals I think the, the first chance was he, he he was really well to get get him to the space and it was a really nice neat chip um, and then the, the shot from the corner was was brilliant that was that was a fantastic shot and I think both of those get um, shots eight times out of ten they're going to they're going to lead to goals, um, so that's really great to see. And hopefully, we'll we'll see more of it now. He's got a smile back on his face, and we we can start to see a few more goals coming in from um, from from Danny Ings. Yeah, I think the the frustration thing is absolutely right, and I think it's it has been a mentality thing. Like nobody's ever doubted that Danny Ings has got the potential to be a top Premier League player. It's just a case of stepping up to the Premier League and, and proving yourself. That, that's a difficult thing. You can have all the talent, but you've got to show it. Otherwise, it's it's not going to quite pay off. So, yeah, I think there has been a lot of criticism of things, but I don't think any of it was ever over the top. And I think he's he's now just starting to, to be the player that we're all hoping he's going to be. And we know how great he is off the pitch as well. So he's... He's donated some boots to a charity appeal for Pendleside Hospice, and that's exactly the sort of thing that that Danny Ings does. And it, I think he's a fantastic asset for the football club. I think the the bid is running out tonight, so it'll be done by the time the podcast is up. But it's already up to like three hundred quid, and it's gestures like that that show exactly what Danny Ings brings to the club. And I think he, he said something in his interview after the game on Saturday about it being a family club, and I think it's really important that the players sort of tap into that and I think Danny Ings has done that more than anyone else and the longer Danny Ings is a, a Burnley player the better for me I think he's a fantastic asset and I love watching him play um, earlier today 
a little bit something a little bit different. I spoke to a match of the day editor, mentioned it at the top of the, the podcast. It's unfortunately not Alan Shearer or Robbie Savage. I'm sure people would love to hear about them on the podcast. But I had a little bit of talk on social media about the way match of the day is edited and how the clips are selected and stuff. So earlier today I spoke to Matt Tidmarsh, an editor at Match of the Day, to find out just about how the process works. Right, joining us now is Matt Tidmarsh, who's an editor on Match of the Day. Um, first of all, Matt, if you can just talk us through what happens on a Saturday when you're editing Match of the Day. Yeah, well, we've got, um, I mean, there's, there's probably about, well, it depends on how many games are on, but each game will have its own edit suite, um, and you'll have a producer and an editor in each suite. The producer will literally watch the game coming in live. They'll log everything that happens in the game, so every chance, bookings, um, you know, sort of moments and things. And then they'll they'll basically pass on to the editor which bits they want to go in the edit. So, it's, which is usually you know, obviously chances, controversial moments, and obviously goals. So, from the from the editing point of view, it's the producer that makes the the decisions about it, but. Is is there a, an attempt to get balance in there to to show lots of stuff from both sides, or is it trying to to represent the match? Yeah, it's it's always to try and give you a picture of how the match went down, um, and it, you know it's difficult because you know the, the, you've got different lengths of match edit. You know, some games you might have six minutes on, um, some games might have twelve minutes, and in that you've got to include usually about a minute and a half of interviews as well after the game. Um, so what they always try and do is give you a flavour of of how the game went. So if um, you know if a team really dominated, then most likely you'll have very few chances from the other team. But if there was something that was a particularly good chance, it will, it will make it in. Yeah, we played Arsenal last weekend. And I think there was one one little clip of Burnley, which it, I thought it was absolutely fine. It summed up what happened is totally yeah. one way. So. What sort of challenges do you face when you're trying to hack 90 minutes of football down into sort of five, ten-minute clips, especially when the joy of football is the ebb and flow, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And the difficulty is, and actually, I mean, we had this when we did the Burnley Hole game at the weekend. Um, we were trying to show, and one particular problem was Hole, this sort of in the second half, were kind of laying on the pressure. To, you know, once you scored, it was it seemed like there was quite a lot of pressure building, but... The trouble was, is none of it actually directly ended up in a chance. So it's very difficult to kind of show that because there's no kind of end of that. There's just sort of pressure around, you know, a lot of possession around the box or something like that. But without it ending in, say, like an actual goal scoring chance, it's very difficult to kind of cut that in because it doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, it's difficult to, to have a sequence where it's just balls into the box being cleared, I suppose. That's yeah. not going to be very interesting for the viewers. And from a Burnley perspective, it was probably the same in the first half when we were on top. So yeah. it must be a real challenge to, to get the flavour of the match, but also to, to sort of capture its essence is probably what you're really trying to get from the editing process. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And and you're also trying to kind of make it, watching the highlights, you're trying to make it feel like you could be watching a game. It's just a shorter version. So you, you can't, you don't really want to be kind of like, you see a chance down one end and then suddenly you're down the other end, something else has happened. It's, it's you know, you're, you're trying to make it sort of flow somehow, despite the fact you're getting 90 minutes into seven. Sometimes it, it, it feels to us as fans of a smaller club that the the match of the day edits seem to favour the bigger clubs. Now, I'm, I'm sure this isn't the case, but can you, you just reassure us somehow that there's no 
inherent bias in the match of the day process. I'm sure there's not. I can only <laughs> say I'm sure there's not. I mean, I'm a, I'm a QPR fan, so I mean, you know, it's, we'll be, you know, we'll only feature up high if we tend to be playing the big teams. But it, from from what I've seen of it, I mean, I'm not sort of privy to the process. It, it it's almost decided on like a kind of a, in a sort of style of a newspaper editor. You know, what's the top story? What's you know, yeah. if there's a game, you know, unfortunately, like. You know the games where you've got sort of say Chelsea streaking away and they're, they're building up a lead. That's good. That's kind of the top story, um, and inevitably that kind of features the bigger teams. But I've I've done games where um, you know I've been down to be like last on the order, and because the game's been so good, it then jumps up to the top. And and so primarily, if it's the most entertaining game, that will that will take that that's the biggest thing. If it is it entertaining, because they'll never put a game on. Like leave a game down the line that's so good that you might have to watch a rubbish game beforehand and you might miss out. So it's quite it's quite fluid as well, and the order does change. Oh, it changes the day as things time. As well. I've had I've had games that have been down to do like a six minute game and end up by the end of the by the, once the games are all finished, it's jumped up to a twelve minute edit because there's so much going on and it's jumped right up the order. It's it, it, it's really fluid. There's, it's never set in stone. I mean, you have an idea. I mean, you know, Burnley were were kind of I think well, they were fourth on at the weekend, and that was because it was like their you know the chance for them to get their first win. And just lastly, on QPR, obviously our extract of Charlie Austin's in terrific form. Do you think yeah. you've got a good chance of staying up at the moment? If you'd asked me a couple of weeks ago, I'd say no. Um, but because I mean we've, we've been playing so badly, um, but we've actually the last few weeks, although we haven't got the results, we've had, we're actually looking like we can play a bit now. And, and sorry, Charlie's hit form as well. So having someone who can at least give us about 15 goals gives us a chance. But we, we need to buy big in the um, transfer. We need another striker, really. I think, and our centre backs need looking at too. So I'd say we're still far more likely to go down than stay up. Well, best thought for the rest of the season and keep up the great work on match of the day even though we all love to complain about it as well well yeah I mean, the thing is it's a bit it's a bit like kind of blaming the ref if you've lost you know you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know we all, there's always criticism about it but there's certainly um you know the, the main emphasis is what's going to be an entertaining game and also what's going to appeal to the most amount of people that that's really it i mean you look at the, the sort of the people because i mean everyone who works on it's a football fan anyway there's so many different teams you know like if everyone was trying to put their own lot forward you wouldn't you know you would stand a chance yeah, the programme would probably get a little bit silly in that case. Yeah. Thanks a lot for your time, Matt. No worries. Cheers. Cheers. So that was Matt Tidmarsh from Match of the Day talking about how the programme works and hopefully that's cleared up any questions people have and there will be a feature about Matt coming on the site later in the week as well. Um, normally at this time in the podcast we would preview the next game but since we've got an international break coming up now it's not really possible to do that the international break I don't think it comes at a particularly good time for us now with us getting that win I think we we probably want to play again quickly rather than have this break wouldn't we James? Um, you know, maybe yeah when, when you get that momentum you you want to keep building it but maybe at the same time um, it's nice to you know to have a little break to look at what we did well and, and see how you can build on it. Do you not think the momentum's more important, though? Um, yeah, well, moment, obviously momentum's important, but I think as well there's a few guys who are maybe tired, maybe carrying knocks. I think that is why Dyer said that um, Djokovic had been out the side, just to give him a bit of a rest. Um, and obviously Scott Arfield went off injured on Saturday. Um, so from yeah, one side of the coin, I guess you, you really want the momentum to carry on. The other side, you're thinking, oh, it's probably good for the, the players to get a rest. 
um, reflect on that that good result and be really fresh to go into a couple of um, you know really important games now because the next three games are all winnable and. You know, like we said previously, around Christmas is a really tough spell, so you, you do want to try and pick up as many points as you can early coming into December. Yeah, I think Stoke away looks tough, and I think we'll do well to, to get anything there, but the next two home games, Villa and Newcastle at home in the space of three or four days, isn't it? that's a, a big opportunity to get some points on the board. Kevin, what's your thoughts on this? Would you rather us play again soon, or do you see James's point about having the little break to reflect and get these players back to full fitness before the trip to, to Stoke? Oh, I, I definitely think we, we'd prefer to to be playing again. I think if Sean Dyche had his way, we'd be playing again um, midweek. Um, but we're not. And I think you've got, to, you've got to do what you can to to actually use the break to our advantage. And now we've got, we, we've got those two weeks of, of having higher morale in the camp, which is going to be good after a, month, after a couple of months of not winning games and losing games and drawing games. We've actually now got two weeks in which our last game was a win. Um, so we've got a lot of time to hopefully build up that um, that belief and build up that, um, that momentum and get everyone in the camp. Hopefully we'll just have that spend that two weeks playing the whole game on repeat on the TV so everyone just can't forget that we've won. And, um, Sean Dash can use this, this two weeks to really almost, rather than just restoring people's fitness almost restoring that belief and get everyone believing uh, in, in, in themselves again um, so yeah it's far from ideal but I think there's definitely positives we can uh, we can take from it and I think that's what Sean Dyche will be looking to do and what do you think Nathan? Uh, I think it, it it comes at a bad time I can't I can't stand these international breaks now. They're coming too thick and too fast for me. You know, you, you play three games and then you have two week break. And I think for, I think in our situation, in our case and situation, it's um, momentum's key for us. I think we need, you know, this win would have done us a great deal going into such a tough game like Stoke. I think we would have could have um, kind of used that momentum and that, um, you know, that three points to kind of to get past Stoke because you know it's going to be a tough game that um, so it's a bit frustrating but like like Kevin was just saying I hope they use it as a time to actually just reflect on what they've done and got that first win and, and keep the belief high in the camp really There will be a, a game at Turf Moor over the break of course I think it's, is it Thursday night at the Turf where England under-21s are playing against Portugal and there'll be three Burnley players involved so um something else to, to tie it over ask Kevin this question uh, on the last podcast I think he said he's not interested at all but is that game something you're looking forward to Nathan yawn yep um, I'm dead <laughs> you, you can go for this bit then you can just go um, yeah bye <laughs> yeah I'm, uh, I'm interested I'm looking forward to it I've, I've got my ticket um, there's a few of us going um, it, it, it's you know £10 football on a Thursday night you can't really argue much Against that, um, I'm looking forward to seeing just the next pool of talent play on Turf Moor, and I'd like, I'd like to see Danny Ings bang a few goals for a change. And I've only seen the one this season, so I'd like to see a few more. I think you can argue against it because you pay money for for a nothing match. Who, who... It's only a tenner, though. Yeah, but it's only thirty-five quid to go on the turf. It's cheap. But international football's boring, boring enough as it is without being just. It's almost international reserves. That's my thought, anyway. 
I'm not going. <laughs> I want to do my joke. Can I do my joke about Shalabar and Keane playing more for England at Turf more than than they have for Burnley? Because I think that was quite a sharp observation. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get a game for us, but they'll probably be in the England team on Thursday nights. It's very, very odd. Um, it can only do Ings good though, can't it, to play at this this level? And I think he's already said that Saido Berahino is someone he wants to follow in the footsteps of. And now Berahino has got promoted to the senior squad. That frees up the place in the England under twenty one team for for Danny Ings, doesn't it, James? And even though he's at the top of that age bracket, it's a good opportunity with the tournament next summer for Ings to really play at a high level. Um, yeah, I mean. You know, it's, it's clearly an honour to be called up for your country at you know at any level, um, and it's you know it's great experience for him. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> excellent. I think that's that's as good a way to, uh, yeah. to end this week's podcast as ever. Someone agreeing with something I've said. So we will leave it there for this week's podcast. There will be a, a podcast in the international break. We'll, we'll try and do something special for the break but I hope you've enjoyed tonight's podcast about a Burnley win it's the first time we've been able to do one in six months so hopefully it's it's been worth the wait and lived up to expectations if you've got any feedback on the podcast please do get in touch the email address is podcast at net, or you can tweet us at the usual twitter name which is at net as well and thanks as ever also to our sponsors at Neville G without whom we couldn't do the podcast or the show so James, Kevin and Nathan have been my guests this week this has been the Known and Ever podcast The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year we understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing but rest assured you're not alone there's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.